0: jeremy we are back hi jeremy hey jt it is nice to be back yeah
1: Here. <laughs> <laughs> i you know i'm having sort of you know not flashbacks um it's a little
0: little deja vu yeah i'm i'm super excited because for the first time ever we are redoing an episode like a full-blown just redo which is we've never done before we've referenced stuff before we've updated kind of sort of but we've never just tried again and uh we're gonna try again today I but I it, it's not a remake; it's a reboot. Yes, this is one hundred percent a reboot. I actually will be titling this the rewatchable episode part deux. Deux, deux, deux sounds
1: good to me. <laughs> All right, this is our best opener ever.
0: Uh, <laughs> so, do you have fun this week? No. No? No. So not only are we redoing the – so our very first episode was the Rewatchable episode, which felt like a natural place for two podcast fans to start. Um, And Rewatchable is like – I had a really hard time defining it because it's different now for me because we've done 70 plus of these things, and now I'm like thinking about stuff in different ways. So I was like, all right, well, what's Rewatchable? Then I was like, well, let's define what Rewatchable really means. And that took a good four days. And I'm still not particularly happy with where I ended up because I think it means multiple things. And then I wound up with like a list and I had my original list and I didn't want to use the original list, but then there was some stuff maybe I did. And then it was just, it was hard. And I'm still not particularly happy with where I am. And I've got more than five just in case.
1: (laughs) Oh, I definitely have more than five just in case. (laughs) Uh I can go for days with this list. I, yeah. I can do the five-part episode on the rewatchable movies thing. For sure. But I'm not going to. No. So wait, so how did you define, what What was, do you have a working definition? Because I ended up with one, because I went through, from what it sounds like, a less painful journey. I actually enjoyed the, uh, the retrospective, retrospectus? Yeah. Retro, reviewing it all went through all sorts of lists and went like, I didn't want to repeat last week's uh, City Slickers little, little moment. <laughs> so I had to go outside my comfort zone. I actually still own some DVDs. So I went looking at the pile. Like, nice. is there anything here that I forgot about? Yeah. yeah that's awesome.
0: Yeah. So uh, here's the rubric that I wound up kind of using, right? So Rewatchable, for this episode, took this shape for me. So clearly it needs to be something that you – can watch over and over again and enjoy every time. That was sort of the, that's the the obvious part. The less obvious part that I wanted to sort of like think through was what makes me want to watch it again. Right. That, Ooh. that was the thing that I had to get into. So like, do you have to be in a particular mood to watch it? And then is it rewatchable or is it genuinely just always rewatchable? Is it something that like, you know, only makes sense with a certain audience or at a certain time of year. Is that, is it really truly rewatchable if it falls into those categories? So I wound up taking a lens of things that no matter when, where, or with whom you are with, it's just you're. it's, it's on and you're like, yeah, I want to watch this again for sure.
1: So you would watch it like with a goat or on a boat or... Yeah, on a plane or in the train.
0: Yeah, at the mall, in a hall, anywhere that one could watch a film. These movies, I would watch.
1: Uh, you're, you're not, uh, you're not Doctor Seuss Junior over there, buddy.
0: <laughs> yeah, whatever. Well,
1: I, no rhyming. My, I did just rhyme. Well, only the beginning part. The Doctor Seussian version would have ended up with a word that rhymed with hall again. I feel
0: very attacked right now. I made mine up. You used his work, so you know what? I feel fine.
1: I think you could have ended with, I would watch them all, and that would have crushed it. Well, I'm sorry to let you down. You didn't let me down. You never let me down, Gene. feeling like I let you down. <laughs> no. I, uh, I I like your perspective. So I know we'll go through more of this later, but upon a re-listen of good old episode one, I defined it last year as a movie that if it were airing on cable and I was channel surfing, I would stop and finish the watch. Yep. That will not be my definition this year. Okay. What is? So what I decided is that the 2020 edition of this episode, which I'm basically pre-setting us up for next May slash June, a 2022 (laughs) version of this episode, I decided that my guiding principle is, have I or do I want to rewatch these movies this year? Okay. Like it. Because I've realized, thank you. I've realized I don't, I'm not rewatching at the same pace as when I was younger in my, in my youthful days of wasting away thousands of hours on movies like Backdraft. (laughs) I decided maybe I should get a little better use of time. You know, I've only got so many hours on the rowing machine, etc. So this is specifically movies. I believe I will rewatch in 2021, or have already rewatched in 2021, and thoroughly enjoyed rewatching.
0: Got it. Okay. So, oh, I like this. Our lists are going to be very different, I think.
1: Well, there's still. I mean, there's, no, there's nothing here. You're going to be like, huh? It's it's it's. There's some wheelhouse stuff. I tried at my hardest to keep the top five a little different than than areas I've revisited many times over because the first pass at this it was five for five had been in the list at least twice kind of thing. And, you know, I don't feel like everybody needs to hear me talk about those same movies and why I love them so many times.
0: I totally agree. So I I took a similar slant where I tried to, if I bring up something again, either I haven't brought it up in a long time, or uh, I want to take a different angle at it this time. Yeah. Uh, However, this is tough because like rewatchable clearly kind of is like, you know, it's not the same as favorite, but it's kind of like favorites. And so there's some stuff that's definitely going to be like, Oh yeah. Uh, however, I I actually had a lot of fun with it. So that being said, this is the episode where we designated the Shawshank rule, which is very exciting. And so for those of you who don't know, the Shawshank rule came from the very first episode we ever did because Shawshank is inarguably, it's inarguably the most rewatchable movie of all time. Inarguably. And so now, if there's a category-defining movie, we would call it the Shawshank. The Shawshank is clearly the Shawshank this episode. However, do you have another Shawshank? I do. In fact, had you not
1: done what you just did, I was going to say the Shawshank. It's like Shawshank squared right now or something.
0: <laughs> right. It's the second trip. It's like this is level two Shawshanking.
1: Yeah, we're waiting for the jump kick in Inception right. to, to get back to it. But yes. Bong!
0: Okay. <laughs> uh, I do have a Shaw. I, I, I shawed. Okay. I have a guess at your shaw's, which I think was your shaw's the first time, or I think we might've just admitted them from the list. <laughs> uh, well, this is the thing
1: because I chose to make it a this year version. And that's not to say that all of these movies would make my most rewatchable movies list, but they were the sure. ones that, that I believe I have a near term affinity for. So I think it actually is a very guessable entry, but I'm not sure you're going to guess correctly.
0: Okay. So I, with that now, I almost, I, I don't want to guess. I'm going to anyway. Um, Godfather? Z. It is not the
1: Godfathers, okay. though I'm probably watching this here anyway. But I decided they, when I was thinking about it all week long, I had them obviously in my working list. I didn't have a, you know, I've got to sit down and watch these again this year. I've, I sort
0: of had a, I've seen them recently enough, and and that doesn't mean I won't watch them, but yeah. Okay. Uh, so th- that being said, I don't have one, so then I'm going to have to, I have no idea. That was my only guess for you. I mean, I could make you just
1: one simple clue and just be like, 80s. Fletch? Okay. Okay. <laughs> The five words I was getting, I should have done this because I knew that they would not resonate for you. But the five words for, for other friends are Afro, Rosen, Coctosan, "Coctostin," sorry, Babar, and Underhills. You went to get that. No, no. Uh, no. no. Can, can you rewatch Fletch this year? Yes. Should we commit to rewatching one of each other's rewatchables this year? That'd be interesting.
0: I mean, I will definitely rewatch Fletch because it's been so long. And also I just, I need to get these references that you're getting because like you and it's just, it's a whole thing that I'm missing. So I need to watch it. I will watch it. Um, Whether I'll watch another one of your top five, I want to hear your top fivers. (laughs) Fair
1: enough. Yeah. You you should know some of the quotes because if we're going to be friends for the next 40 years, I'm going to be referencing ball bearings a lot. And if you don't even know that it is all bear- ball bearings these days, what's what's
0: the what's the point? Right. Well, then I definitely need to rewatch it and consider it at the, the top of the list.
1: Awesome. <laughs> but you have none. You're you're just going to dive right into the fives.
0: Yeah. You know, the thing is, is like the Shawshank, Shawshank is the Shawshank. And I thought there might be a chance uh, that you were going to do that because I think you did it the first episode too. I don't remember. But I think it was like we just sort of agreed – that those movies are just those movies and like talking about them. They deserve a place, which by the way, funny enough, we still haven't done that in 52 episodes. So we probably should do that at some point, give them the air they deserve. Um, Mm. But that being said, uh, you know, this time I was kind of like, nah, you know what? Like rewatchable kind of favorite given the, the angle I took, I'm happy with Shawshank being the Shawshank. Well, I like that. All right. So
1: listeners for another year going, Shawshanks will be, Shawshanks will be happening. But in the meantime, JT, you do in fact, start the week. So where do we start?
0: Okay. I'm going to start with my most obvious one and one that I'll probably talk the least about. Uh, June 22nd, 2007. I will give you Lou Romano and Ian Holm.
1: I have a guess, but I'll hear your five
0: words. Okay. Love letter to cuisine inclusion. Ratatouille. Yeah. um, I'm (laughs) not going to talk about this much. I still think it's a perfect movie. Uh, It's it's a 96 on Metacritic. It scores high everywhere it is. Um, I've talked about it before. I genuinely think this might be a, it's almost a perfect movie in every way, shape and form. I don't know how I missed it the first time. Um, Back to my rubric, which I will always try to bring it back to. There is not a world that this is on that I don't want to watch it. There's literally no circumstance, no mood that I'm in, no day that I've had, no weather that there is. Where Ratatouille's on, and I'm like, nah, probably not today. I'm um, the answer is, yeah, probably gonna watch this. It's just, it's, it's that, it's one of those movies for me. And because I'm now watching films differently because of this podcast, it, it has only gotten better watching it again recently, like within the last three months. Watching it again, I go, no, this movie literally is almost flawless. So yeah. I'm I'm done. Ratatouille's amazing. Everybody's heard me do it before. Ratatouille.
1: I think it's still a great pick. I agree; it is a very exceptionally well well done story. The script is tight. So. I've got a couple of little nuances here and there where I just feel like some of the motivations could have been a little tweaked, but it's 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 not even worth going into. It is that good. Uh, I, I think. I wonder where it would really stand if you did a truly critical eye on on the top animated movies. Like if you really head to head this with like any of the toy stories, pretty much Incredibles I think is up there. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I don't have any, I have no flaws, no flaws to call out. Like as, as much as my affinity for inside out is huge because of what I think that movie does and what it stands for and whatever. Like, I think if you look at Ratatouille against like, I think the only comparisons are toy story one and four Maybe Wally, because mm. um, Wally's pretty flawless, but also they cheated because they don't talk, uh, which is part of why that movie's beautiful, but also is cheating because, like, from a plot device and, you know, sort of like a, you know, characters having agency, they don't talk in their robots. I mean, it's kind of a pretty straightforward construct. Um, but I think those four are probably the ones that you're like, the greatest written ones of all time, maybe sneaking in some of the older Disney stuff. Although I don't know. It's hard to take the old stuff versus the new stuff. In my opinion, I think Beauty and the beast still holds up really, really well. Yeah. That one and and lion King are the two where I'm like, I yeah. can make an argument for both of those being in the same category. None of the other stuff. None of the, none of the really old stuff.
1: No, no, no. Uh, No, I don't even need to go there. I think what's going through my head right now, by the way, is when you put in... If you were to put Toy Story 1, I still have yet to see 4. That's a summer project. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But if you were to put in 1, put in... I do think Incredibles is actually up there because I think there's so many good messages and it's such a tight story um, and so much fun. And then I'll put the rest of the ones you said. I think Ratatouille comes out on top from a Rewatchables perspective... Because the conflicts the least fierce, you know what I mean. It's the least, the 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 the, the least denouement. It's the it's it's the, it's all uplifting. <laughs> it's fun. And when I think about rewatchable movies, the ones that make you like that hit you in that gut so hard, they just are harder to rewatch. Doesn't make them worse. They're often better,
0: but less fun. I agree. There you yeah. go. That's perfect. You said it better than I could have myself. I was channeling.
1: <laughs> All right. I will give my easiest one in on my list. 1979. Okay. Starring Paul Dooley and John Ashton.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Rotten Tomatoes at 95. Yep. And the five words I will give you, it is most quarry in a movie. Yeah. Uh, so this is breaking away. It is breaking away. Uh, Breaking Away held up when I started writing the list immediately. First thing I wrote down in so many reasons. I This is going to sound weird, JT, but I've come to appreciate that movie more because of your watching it last year. Oh, uh, I, cause I read and rewatched it one and a half times since then, since you, whenever you, you watch, I think of the fall. So I've rewatched it about one and a half times since then. And there's something more and more special about it every time I watch it. I don't know if it's a time and place thing. You know, it, it sits itself at such an interesting point in particularly North American uh, history or society or whatever. And it's so low-key and and the characters are so appreciable. Like, you can meet the, any of those characters walking down the street and they're believable, right? Yeah. There, there's a Gucci out there. There's, you know, there are cutters. There's all these people. Yeah. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's again, it's an age of innocence, whatever you might have, because the truth is 79 was not exactly a, a docile time in history. Sure wasn't. But this movie, you know, I I love everything about it. I've talked about it many times in the cast. So I will say something interesting though, really briefly, I went and as I said, I I know we both re-listened to the first episode. So when I pitched you on this, I was it was very fun listening to your skepticism when you're like, "So it's about biking," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, and the soundtracks from from operas." You're like, "Uh huh, <laughs> yeah." But the other cool note, and again, maybe this is just uh, you know our our enjoyment of doing this together. The other thing you said is, "So I just took up bi- bicycling."
0: Yeah, how, how many miles since then, buddy? Uh, Twenty five hundred plus.
1: <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs>
0: pretty good <laughs> you know it's funny so first of all I'm happy to be a part of it of I'm happy to be a part of a story of a movie that was already one you really appreciated so that's really cool uh secondly of all the movies that you've you've had me watch this is by far my favorite um I I think the energy of this movie would be impossible to do today like the vibe and energy, and I don't mean speed. I literally mean the energy. And for some mm. reason, it, to your point, it comes across so genuine. So I had this marked as the one from your original top five that I really hoped stayed. Oh, interesting. Uh, because this one almost made my top five. Wow! Like I really, really enjoy this. It's a little too filmy which will make more sense as my list goes on. Okay. Um but in general, I could see breaking away for the rest of my life specifically if this bike thing keeps up, being a movie that I probably watch at least biannually.
1: There you go. That that's a pretty good it's a pretty good clip.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good and you know, clips there's a, there's a bike joke there that no one cares about, so I'll just walk right past it.
1: <laughs> All right. <laughs> see, I don't have much more to say about the movie because I've I've over talked it, but uh it's still that's up great. there. And, and it's literally been on, like sitting in front of the PlayStation, ready to throw in at any given time, even though it's streaming on on Prime or whatever. But uh, if you haven't seen it, this is now two straight years of me highly vouching for this movie.
0: Give it a shot. Let us know what you think. Yeah, it's so good. You should. Everybody should go watch Breaking Away. Uh, okay, me next, March eighth, nineteen ninety six. I will give you Callista Flockhart and Christine Baransky. Callista Flockhart, Ally McBeal was in a movie?
1: She was. That you love? Love. What movie that came out in the <laughs> mid-90s? Is JTT in this?
0: No, no JTT. Okay.
1: Therefore, no Chevy Chase. Well, Good. I got no guesses so far. Let's get to five words.
0: Okay. I'm very proud of this. Five words, by the way. Young Wedding is a drag.
1: Oh, um, is this the birdcage?
0: It's the birdcage. <laughs> <Nice>. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I know you love this movie. I don't. We've talked about this. I don't remember well enough. I don't even, for the life of me, I can't picture Ally McBeal in the birdcage. You could tell me she was like the the female lead, and I it's still it's blanking for me.
0: So she she was like. So she's the daughter who's marrying the son. So she plays a pretty major role. Uh, obviously, the real female lead in this is Nathan Lane. Um, and this movie, so I used this movie once before and the only time I used it was in the Hackman episode. Uh, and I, I, I mentioned back then, which I will very quickly again, like this is one of my mom's favorite movies. I watched this movie a ton, so it's definitely a sentimental favorite, but again, back to the rubric, right? The thing about this movie is I don't think it requires you to be in any state of mind And I think it's indifferent as to the state of mind that you're in for you to enjoy this movie every single time. Uh, Nichols is a genius. Uh, This is Robin Williams at his absolute best. Uh, Him and Nathan Lane playing off of each other is beyond amazing. Like, it's just, it's so, so good. Uh, One of my favorite, like, little pieces of trivia about this particular movie is that Nichols required the first take where Lane and Williams stayed on script because like they, he would force them to, because he knew it would never happen again. So first take of every single line they read had to be on script. So he had at least one shot of it. And then the rest of the time, it was just off the off the chains. And you can tell. Do
1: we know what percent of those uh, entries? That'd be a cool, cool bit of trivia.
0: It'd be amazing. I would. There's nothing I wouldn't give... To see the raw cut, like the stuff that wound up on the floor on this movie is probably absolutely absurd. But that's kind of why. This movie is so playful. Like it's such a playful movie. It's such a like, it's such like a little bit of a jaunt. There's like, there is real human interaction. There's real agency. Everything kind of makes sense. It's definitely a moment in time. It doesn't hold up as far as like a lot of the stereotypes and standards today. That being said, most of the people I know, uh, regardless of where you come from, with very few exceptions, which you know, because I don't have bigot friends, uh, but everybody else in my everybody else in my life sees this and loves it. And if for nothing else, Hank is area. My my sister and I quote Agador Spartacus way more than any one or two people should, and it's great. And I just love this movie. And again, given my rubric, I really couldn't move it. I was like, no, you know what? The birdcage is on at any moment, at any time of day, in any point in my life. I probably want to catch at least 15 to 30 minutes of it minimum.
1: I feel like I'm going to need to rewatch this this year. It's been way, way too long. So I'm glad you brought that up. And, and that, I think that's the one. Well, we'll see what the rest of the list is. But if if I had to pick one. This
0: might that's the, the one. one. That's I want one. this to be, I want this to be the one. So the deal will be, I will watch Fletch if you watch Birdcage.
1: Well, we co-watch though?
0: Absolutely. Co-
1: I would love to do that. Done. Uh, in our copious amounts of free time. Right, <laughs> it's gonna be like eleven forty-five. Hey, ready to watch lunch? <laughs> it's a Wednesday, I know. All right, I, I didn't have any particular order to them. Uh, by the way, I, I don't think I disclaim this strongly enough. The 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 positioning of top five versus Pong was probably the hardest uh, line to draw this this time around. So. Yep. I think if I did this podcast half an hour from now, it might be a shuffled order. So, but these were the five that I really felt most strongly about for, again, for 2021, 2002. Oh, wow. Rotten Tomatoes of 83. Clive Owen and Chris Cooper.
0: Okay. Keep going. I have,
1: this is not my most clever My my five words aren't the most. This is not my strong week. You're stronger already. Let's go with best spy movie this century.
0: Best spy movie this century. Strong opinion. Clive Owen in a spy movie. So it's not what I originally thought it was based on the Clive Owen. What did you think it was? Uh, The Spike Lee movie that I can't think of the name of right now. Oh, Inside Man. Inside Man. Yeah. It's Um, a great movie. Also highly rewatchable. <laughs> yeah. Hi-
1: highly uh, rewatchable considering the amount of uh, of unveils in that movie. And, yep. and yet you're totally fine seeing them again.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yes. I just, I'm not going to say anything else. Nope. Okay. Clive Owen, 2002 spy movie. He wasn't in Michael Clayton. And I think that came out at some other time. So I have no idea. Uh,
1: born Identity.
0: Oh God. Yeah.
1: All right. Yep,
0: that was stupid, JT.
1: Yeah, okay. So this is a movie I've loved since it came out. I don't think I've talked about it before. If I did maybe once briefly, I, I'm sure it's made some pong lists here and there. And I realized the trigger for this one is actually my son was having a backyard movie night with his buddies and they he picked it. And I'm like, oh, but I wanted to watch that one with you. And, and this is what happens when they become teenagers, JT. They would rather watch movies with their friends some of the time. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. So they up and watched it. And I was like, well, then I'm going to rewatch it. And, right. and and I haven't actually yet, but I'm, I'm like, I'm itching to it. It's, it's back in my watch list. It's back in all the places to remind me to give it a shot, but it's not going to be like a rowing rewatch. This is like sit down one night, get the the popcorn Reese's pieces, a, a, a treehouse beer. And I'm not maybe two and some other, some other, some gummies. Gummy bears, gummy worms. Gummy worms. I'll go with. gummy I'm a, worms.
0: Sa- I'm a sour patch guy. Oh, you
1: day. know what? Yeah. 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 Let's go sour patch. Cause I already got the different sweets in there, but yeah. born identity has got to come this year. I think it's such a great movie. I think it, it's probably a little underrated because it's, an, it's mostly an action flick. Yeah. But there's a lot of depth here. I think the acting is great. This is great. to me, you know, if, if Channeling again, one of the inspirations for our show is the Rewatchables. This is this might not be uh, Matt Damon's you know Apex Mountain as the the uh, Bill Simmons podcast goes, but it's really up there. And for me, it's the thing that moved him from sort of what seemed like he could have become just sort of a smarmy, typical male lead into a much more versatile actor, which is funny to say because it's an action movie. Yeah, fair. So give me this anytime. And Clive Owen in particular
0: is one of my favorite bits of the movie. He's so good. He, so can I have an unpopular opinion about born about born? Yeah. yeah. Um, I just, I got born out. There was too many of them and like, it got confusing to me and I don't necessarily always remember which ones are which. And it's like, I, I love the first one. I remember seeing the first one in the theaters and I was like, this movie is amazing. I also love Clive Owen. Uh, I agree that the performances across the board were, like, super good. But, like, this is the one, like, is Julia Stiles in this one? She is, right?
1: She's actually, I believe, in the first and the third.
0: Uh, But do you see? It's that. It's that that bothers me. I Like, that for me, it just got very Ethan Hawkey, where I was like, oh, here we go. This is a a thousand movies and the same six people, kind of, sort of, but Vink Rames is bad now. I don't know. It just, like it just got too much and then Renner came in and it almost spoiled how good the first one is. The other two, the subsequent two that Damon were in, are also good, not as good as the first one. Right. I think you I think that's a very fair fair point. I think the first one's just, just like way
1: above and beyond. The second one to me is mostly a mess. Uh I don't like Paul Greengrass's directing style. It's it's just shaky cam. Like I would love for them to just redo that movie just without the shaky cam. Like the plot was basically fine. It wasn't it wasn't it was right. super interesting. It was fine. Uh, that was one of those, like, everything about the last the last act of the of the second movie is just sort of boring is the problem. It doesn't set up yeah. enough interestingness. The third one, I think, redeems itself pretty well. Agreed. But this is definitely one of those typical first is good, second is meh, third they get back on track.
0: Yeah. And listen, I, I could not stand behind your pick more. Like, it's t- the first one's very, very rewatchable. But there is a bit of a ugh when I see the first one because I'm thinking about the other two. <laughs> it's probably your
1: your it's it's probably up there with things like the Matrix and a few others of case studies of did you have to make more of these like right we know we know there's a lot of uh, mouths to feed and we get that we're it, it's a thing but did you make something so darn good that following it up just wasn't worth it.
0: It's you know what's fun like this obviously can't happen but like in in a parallel universe if there was a way like 10 years from now to introduce this movie to the next wave of of critics right and then never show them the second two and and just see if if then 10 years from then if this movie is held in much higher regards because i honestly think this movie's held in lower regards like in the pantheon of movies hmm. because of the fact that it's a trilogy as opposed to being one of the most badass single release movies in a very long time.
1: I think that's a, I I think that's a, that's a very fun angle. And I, I I think you're, I think you're right, by the way, it definitely should be pushed up a little, little higher in the echelons of stuff, especially by the way, that scene, my favorite part of this whole movie is the scene where he's walking around carrying the uh, escape map, the fire escape map from the building and like using that to navigate and like on his headset, shooting people and jumping out of things. Like, it's just so, such a well done sequence.
0: Yeah, it, that is beautifully choreographed in every way. Yeah, I, I really, the more we talk about it, the more I really do like the first one. So it's, I'm, I'm coming around to even, nah, my argument stands. This, 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 the other two are bummers. Yeah, it's fair. All right, take us somewhere. <sighs> okay. Uh, so this is my most contentious pick for myself because what I actually wanted to do was put in a movie that I missed the first time that should have been in my top five and is probably the the right choice. But I have talked about it recently because once it came back to my brain um, some episodes ago, it has stayed there. Mm. So I'm doing, I'm doing something else. But at the end of this, when we get to Pond, I will tell you the one that I wish it was. Uh, but I also feel good about this. June 11th, 1986. Uh, I will give you. geez, Charlie Sheen and Edie McClurg. Uh.
1: You said 86? Yes. Yeah. uh, I got this. It's actually in my paw. Oh, really? Yeah. My five words were one perfect day in Chicago.
0: Mine is maybe imaginary friend kind of (laughs) bully. Nice.
1: (laughs) So it's Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
0: Ferris Bueller's Day Off. If anybody doesn't know, highly recommend. Just Google. uh, Did Cameron imagine Ferris Bueller? And... Enjoy. That's that's a full night of rabbit-holing internet that you won't regret, um, and uh, you will walk away feeling very confused. So, obviously, Ferris Bueller is a great movie. By the way, 61% Metacritic. This is a good sort of Wall Street, like, get out of here. This is a better movie than that. Not significantly better. 79 on Rotten Tomatoes, which that's feels about right. Uh, right. Yeah. That's right. It's not an 80, but boy, is it close. <laughs> it's like real, real close. I, I, I don't know. It might be it might be an 81.
1: I mean, it's the the more the 80s are behind us and the more 80s movies date themselves, I find Ferris holds up. And that's actually part of where I was going to go with it. So you keep going, and then I'm going to throw my opinion in.
0: Well, so here's why it's on. This is, I'm the reason. Our generation gap is the reason that this is the one that's, that I, I put in my list. Yeah. This movie came out in 86. It shouldn't be a big deal to me. Right, I had all of the derivative work of Ferris Bueller, of which there is a panthe- there is so much, so much. I had 16 versions of my own Ferris Bueller, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off was so damn good that I prefer Ferris Bueller, and that's not true for me in a lot of other stuff, right? Like it's kind of if you really zoom out and think about the movies that are able to do that, it's things like Star Wars. It's mm-hmm. like. It's, it's things like Indiana Jones, like things that change the way movies were made and are considered the greatest. This had that kind of effect on all the movies that I saw as a 10-year-old all the way up to a like 20-year-old. And yet this is still the one that I prefer because it was that freaking good.
1: Yeah, I think that's really well said. I think you, you definitely had – boy, you had the 90s, so you had a lot of Ferris's. All, all of your of movies Ferris. were Ferris's. All of them. How many times did JTT play? I'm just going to talk about him all the time from now on. By the way, <laughs> how many Ferrises did he did he do?
0: Well, listen, there, JTT was Ferris. Uh, Devon Sawa was Ferris, and everything like there was like a, we had a whole grouping of Ferrises just running around being Ferrises. Not to mention Zach Morris, who was like a, a worse Ferris. Like right. th- like all of this stuff. Like he is the archetype for all the things that I watched in every show. There was always a Ferris. There was always a Cameron. There was a Sloan. Like literally that's, it's a direct comparison. I I wonder, I bet you, you don't have
1: either a saved by the bell or a Malcolm in the middle without a Ferris Bueller.
0: No way. There's no way. And if they were, they would have been terrible because they would have gone off of like St. Elmo's fire or something. (laughs) Like it would have been totally different.
1: Less than zero. Uh, (laughs) I I think that, I think that's really well said. I think for me, the inspiration here, by the way, was actually also my son Sam, uh, another backyard movie night. We like those, obviously. Yeah, and great. the movie he wanted to watch, something wasn't working with the streaming. I can't remember. It was, we, we were having technical difficulties. So we quickly sat down with his friends. It was like, you know, any, any picks. And I think two kids at the same time said, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. So not only shouldn't Ferris have been your Ferris, Ferris shouldn't be my son's Ferris either. And yet he is. And yet he is. And I have a whole new working theory on this movie. Uh which, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I went deep. I got actually, it's it's funny, I went I I left some notes when he watched it because that evening I had some thoughts about it, and now I can't find them. But but I do recall the central theme is I think what Ferris Bueller is really about is it's something around freedom and and living life, right? It's something about You know, you can make all the parallels, especially in modern society and like a lot of unpopular opinions about work and our puritanical ethic that's overstated in modern culture and all these other things come down to like, are we living the lives we want to be living or are we living the lives like we think we're supposed to be living? And Ferris Bueller's day off is exemplifying the life we want to be living. You know, I went deep and I got a little emotional about it. And as again, same effect as it, you from doing this podcast and thinking more about movies and more about themes. But when I rewatched it most recently, which was this year, with my littler kids who were laughing their heads off also, mm-hmm. I kept thinking to myself, It's like, what is going on here that's so special? Is the references back to what was it? He's like, I should be he should be in gym right now when they're watching the, the Cubs game and they you know, there was a point with math class and science class and all the parallels of him living and exploring and driving a crazy car and going to the museum and jumping on the float at the at this parade that, by the way, makes absolutely no sense. If you really want no to know that movie, like, why is there a parade? And if there is a parade, why is everybody in school? Shouldn't they be at the parade? Like, what's going on?
0: Makes no sense.
1: I don't care, though. And I don't think anybody cares. It's, it's like a fantasy where you're like, I also spend all forms of disbelief I need to.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, what I'm going to say is I am going to genuinely encourage you both on and off this podcast as your partner in the podcast and as your friend that you need to write a piece on that because that's very, very interesting because Ferris Bueller as an archetype for how you should live your life is pretty cool. (laughs) Like That's a pretty cool thing. But I'm also really happy that you said that Sam watched it and that your younger kids watch it. Like, Because again, now I'm going to try to do this for every pick back to my rubric. Dude, if I hear Ferris Bueller on, it will change my mood. Like that's that's how much like no, like this movie is just one of those things where there are certain parts where if I hear Abe Froman, it makes me smile. Like I'm gonna smile at that every time. If I hear Don I'm going to walk into the room and by the way, assume Ferris Bueller's on. Not that someone's listening to that song. <laughs> like and like that it just culturally is so important. And again, like to think about this movie being. 34 years old is absolutely absurd Uh, and I've watched it probably every year for the past 20 years this movie has been on at least for moments in my life and I'm never sad that it's on and so even though I moved even though this was like sort of a, a secondary pick it's a secondary pick I feel very good about
1: making. nice well well said in every way I refuse to accept that the movie's actually 34 years old. It's just like, <laughs> that number doesn't make any sense. Right. But, uh... All right. 1977. No, no, I'll do that one next. Sorry. Sorry. Switching it up. 1991. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes, 93. Ooh, hi. Starring one of our that guys, Xander Berkeley. And, and Joe Morton. Joe Morton sounds familiar, but I don't know why. So if I labeled Born in the is you know arguably best spy movie this century, I'm going to label this one as best action movie last century.
0: Best action movie last century. Um, what year did you say this was? Ninety one. Which gives it competition.
1: It's not an easy year alone. Yeah. Insufficient for this. Because that's a pretty awesome time of movie history for action movies, actually.
0: 91. I feel like I have the year wrong, but I have a guess. Is this T? Is this T2? It is. Hey! Look at me go. Get get stuff right and stuff.
1: I mean, you basically know Joel Morton because of this movie or his derivative performance of the same role in uh, Justice League. But which is basically true. Um, So the way this made its way to the list is
0: T2 is a movie that yeah I just figured out who he is. Okay, because he wasn't what clicked. It was really the years. This is Silas Stone. He's Silas Stone in in Justice League. Okay, now sorry that happened in real time. I got excited because my brain clicked when you said Justice League. I'm like, who is he in Justice League? Oh, (laughs) sorry. Go ahead.
1: The the trigger here, so T two I don't think has made any conversation on this podcast at all. So I'm gonna again fess up and and give some credit where it's due. I had recently listened to the rewatchables episode on T two, and you know they bring in different folks for each episode. Whoever I, I apologize, if you don't I can't I can't name the name the the folks. I'll try to get them in the notes here. But their take on this movie brought me back to a time, and I and it sort of like refilled the memory bucket or if you will of this era and how much different things were about how we made and marketed and watched action movies right this is the beginning like this is the end of the 80s era the 80s action movies and, and again 91 is an honorary entry into the 1980s so yep. it's the it's the end of the action movies are are mostly schlocky over the top insanity and it starts the era of action movies with humans doing stuff, right? And I'd argue that in many ways, Arnold in T1 was your the old Arnold. And Arnold in T2 was the Arnold we now think of today, who's not just one-liners, but is actually like a whole person. A whole person. A whole person with all sorts of thoughts. And in yeah. fact, the more I see him on social media, the more I like this person. You know he's got, he's got goats and stuff. He's got an alpaca, even. <laughs> so T2, you know, until the very last trailer of the movie came out, you didn't know who was going to be who, right? So you've seen this movie knowing full well who was the bad guy, who was the good guy. Yeah. I walked into that theater with a hunch, right? Like you couldn't not be what was I 15, 16, What would I say? 91? So no, 18, you couldn't, you could not be in that age group and not have a hunch that maybe, maybe, sorry for the spoiler, maybe Arnold's the good guy this time around. Right. Right. Especially because you had clues of this, this metal looking dude. Then when you saw the movie again, JT, there's a hard thing to truly explain the same way we've talked about a few other special effects and things like that. T the, the T 1000 was the most amazing thing you had ever seen in a movie. Yeah, for sure. Nothing like it. it. It was that first time, probably until some recent stuff, like I think we could name a bunch of action movies. I actually say Godzilla versus Kong was my final entry in. We can now officially do anything we want in a movie. Like. <laughs> yes. Anything. Yes. But in 91, you couldn't. In 91, you had very limited things you could do. And so watching him melt through the bars or jump into the helicopter or or all the various things, they were unpredictable, right? Everything that, the, that he did, like now, I, I I don't mean this in a nothing's good anymore way because I don't mean that at all, but now it takes a lot more to really surprise an audience, right? Like yeah. we've, we've seen so many concepts, so many types of aliens, so many types of robots, so many types of, you know, what was it? Wizards, warlocks, and, and androids or something, or, <laughs> right? From- That sounds, uh, that sounds right. That was from Winter uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. We've seen so many of these now that it's hard to really surprise your audience. Uh, I think it's actually probably why Infinity War and Endgame work so well. They, they brought new things to, to to bear. But T2 was so big and, and so massive as a movie. It was the summer movie. And, and, and when I say that it was the summer movie, it was the thing everybody talked about. Long buildup. No one could even imagine there was going to be a sequel to the Terminator. Right. So I feel like I've sort of already started to over this, but it's so big a movie. And I just decided after hearing that it went straight to my list of movies. I must watch this year. And then while putting this list, before we even decide we were going to redo this episode. So again, once it came up, I'm like, well, this time it's gotta be T2. Cause I am just amped to watch it from both the, reconnect with this great movie I haven't seen in a long time, but also sort of reconnect with that time period and how how much, how special it was for a movie to come out. You didn't know whether or not there'd be a twist. Like, it, it's it's so hard to surprise, and they pulled it off.
0: I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, this is a great pick. It's actually funny. I've been thinking recently that I need to rewatch this movie because I've not seen it in a while, and I've seen it a lot. And loved it every single time. And you're right. I, I had the benefit of knowing what I was walking into. And by the way, still mind-blowing. Like, you know, 10-year-old JT or whatever, when I first saw this, probably 8 or 9. Like, you know, T-1000 was like, <gasps> what? Like, it like it didn't compute. Uh, yeah, this is great. This is a great pick. This is a really, really good pick.
1: It's funny. As you were saying that, I now remember where I was sitting in the theater on opening night, who I was sitting with, how we reacted to it. Like, all these things are flooding all the way back in. And there's not a lot of movies that that's quite as vivid about. That's, that's awesome. That's second, awesome. Second to last row, third seat from the left. Just, just wow. around the same page. You weren't kidding. <laughs> well, not only that, the reason I know that is because I showed up like an hour plus early and got a crappy seat. There you go. Because you couldn't reserve
0: seats or any of that cool stuff. No, you definitely could not. Definitely could not. Uh, all right. So I'm going to go. And I am, yeah. This one, I think we both. Well, let's let, let, me, let me give you the clues first. So October twenty second, nineteen ninety three. Okay. Uh, I'll give you two people, and then I think you already know what it is. I think uh, I already know what it is. What do you think it is? Uh,
1: well, I think your two people. One of them is probably Chris Elliott.
0: Wasn't gonna be. Oh.
1: Um, All right. Then you keep going. I'll stop you right there. <laughs>
0: All right, let's do Lily Taylor and Charles Dutton.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, that's that's Rudy. Rudy, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: like, so my five words are how did we miss this? It wasn't, yeah. <laughs> it was <a> <laughs> like, Like, this movie just, I, it's Rudy, guys. Like, it's just, it's Rudy. Like Like, I don't know what else to say other than, like, why didn't this movie make the list? before it makes no sense this is one of the most rewatchable movies of all time like it's incredible how rewatchable this movie is so much so that i saw that this movie has a runtime of like an hour and 54 minutes or something and i was like no because it doesn't feel that long because that's how much i like it. it it feels like it flies through every single time there's not a single scene i would change i absolutely adore this movie the only time i've ever mentioned it ever was as a shawshank for guy cry interesting and I think I did – oh, and then it was in Pong once because I thought you would pick it for one of the sports – we did a sports thing, maybe right. I don't even remember. But, like, I, I mean, guys, it's just – it's Rudy. Like, it's I, the, the end. How did we miss this? So I had
1: the realization that we missed not only Rudy, but for me – which I, I would – I'd actually – for me, Hoosiers tops Rudy just, just ever so slightly from a rewatchable perspective. And I think it's mostly because there's just more sports in it, so it's a faster – feeling of a movie despite also being they're actually very similarly done movies. And I realized we didn't have either in the last list. They have they don't get a lot of airtime and we both love both of them so much. And here's what's crazy again neither made either my top five nor my pong this time around. Not for any not not to diss on them in any way, just just again in a they didn't quite eclipse some of these other titles. But it's an amazing film. And we both know that. Like, if I had one more entry, it would probably be the next one.
0: Yeah. Rudy is just like, I don't know. It just, it holds a special place in my heart. As I think it does like, um, like, dude, it, can you think of another thing that spawned a generation of fandom like this? You hmm. know what I mean? Like, there's a bunch of Notre Dame fans because my generation grew up with Rudy that are now Notre Dame fans that had no other connection. Oh, I it didn't was know just that. Yeah, like Rudy was like, people became Notre Dame fans because of that movie, right? Notre Dame's like very prestigious, and also like, listen, I found out this was like kind of a new thing. Can you guess the only other movie to ever be filmed on Notre Dame's campus? And I will tell you it's from the 1940s. Oh, uh, New Rockney or something? Yes, there you go. That's a great guess, by the way. Nice, buddy. But like, <laughs> it's, it's like a, you know, this is like a, this is a gated community. Like, you mm-hmm. know, Notre Dame's like a special place. It's a special group of people. And just a bunch of kids, I promise you, became Notre Dame fans because of this movie and are now raising Notre Dame fans. And little do they know at this point that it's because of Rudy. They have no idea it's Rudy Rudiger. Like That's pretty awesome. No, it's pretty neat. That's a really neat phenomenon. And also, this is another one of those movies where, like, I just hear certain lines and I'm like, oh, Rudy's on. <laughs> like, I just, like a moth to a flame, just wander into wherever that room is.
1: Yeah, I think if I hadn't focused as much on what do I want to watch this year, you know, if, if if I really were to be truth to the category I mean, it's just such a hard cat. This is we are delving oh, in the in, in the yeah, this is a ridiculous category to even attempt to do. But it's possible? Yeah, it's a, it's in there too. It's in there too. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, keeping with the theme, I've decided to rechange the order again. Twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, look at that. <laughs> is the most modern movie on the list. With a 93 Rotten Tomatoes. Holy moly. With Clancy
0: Brown and Jeff Goldblum. I love both those people. Clancy Brown, I was very proud of when I had him in my that guy. That was a great Um, I love Clancy Brown. Yeah, he almost made my top five picks of the year. I really liked that pick. Uh, I don't know yet. Go ahead. All right. Third time's charm. Led Zeppelin, Thor Ragnarok, correct. So that was gonna be my guess. I should, I, I probably could have guessed that before. If you made me guess before, that would, that's what I would have said. Okay. First of all, I love this movie. Please go on. It's somehow it keeps just coming up for me. Like we watched,
1: I watched. Oh, when we finished watching Falcon the Winter Soldier with the, with the boys, we had some free time, and I am like looking around, I'm like, all right, let's watch some Ragnarok. When so it, it's it, oh, this was the movie. Oh my gosh. Sam, if you ever listen to my podcast, you're all over it today. This was the movie that the kids wanted to watch and ended up swapping out for Ferris because we were just having technical issues with Disney Plus. So, I love Thor Ragnarok. I can't quite describe what makes it so special for me. It the world is fun. I think it might be, believe it or not, Jeff Goldblum. I think he is the he might be the rug that ties this movie together. If I were to go to, <laughs> I gotta be honest, I had pre-planned to use that line somewhere today. Because you used it in the first episode and I didn't pick it up. Sure did. <laughs> so there's, it's such a it's such a fun movie, right? It's just an example of making modern action comedies. Like you think about it, 2017, it's a charged time to make comedy at all. And they pull it off. They do it in a franchise that had been pretty middling. You know, Thor 1's fine. Thor 2's generally considered mm-hmm. one of the weakest links of the MCU. And all of a sudden, Ragnarok shows up. I didn't see in the theaters. I, didn't, I was like, oh, one day I'll just watch this. I And then finally I did. And I was like, oh, my. I think the marketing of it was pretty poorly done because of all the spoilers. Hulk reveals, which mm-hmm. they shouldn't have done. It's, it's fun. The action's compelling. The storyline makes sense. The character motivations are pretty good. I got a couple of issues with some of the Hella stuff. Like, you're sort of watching two completely different movies the entire time until about, I think it's about 15 minutes till the end of the movie, and then all of a sudden they collide the worlds, yeah. which, which can be fine. Um, but it, it is a little, it, it's a little hinky. And the fact that she has this invulnerable army stuff like that always bugs me in movies. Like I need, I need, I need, um, everybody's got to know. You got to know what the limits are. Like what are someone's powers? Where can they go to? Right. That's why like the fight with Thanos, the first time he bleeds, it's such an important moment. You're like, yeah, that's how tough got it. But they gave us context, right? Hela has no limits other than somehow she's associated with Asgard. Right. Like, so I got some of those nits but I don't care while I'm watching because even the stuff that I'm like, eh, it's fun to rewatch. Idris Elba's great. Carl Urban's in it and I love him. So, but who's also in the board? identity?
0: oh, interesting. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two words. Taika Waititi. Yes. Uh, that's it. I mean, that like everything he did in this movie, it made comics fun again. And I think, Similar to what Deadpool kind of set the, I think Deadpool set the stage for this, and then Taika made it movies, right? Because Deadpool was like full blown, we're doing something different, breaking fourth wall, Ferris Bueller references, by the way, funny timing. Nice. Like it was a whole different thing, and Deadpool's a different character, in fairness. But Taika Waititi, what he did with this movie is he he basically took the cuffs off and said, no, 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 this can be a good time and still be a kick ass superhero movie. Um, and also Korg would be the rug that pulled it all together for me because he is easily one of my favorite characters in potentially any movie of the past 10 to 15 years.
1: It's great. By the way, I made a new Doug reference at work today. So
0: I, I make new Doug references all the time. Every time, that they, like in my house, my poor wife, if there's a noise anytime in my house, I, no matter where I am, you will just hear me go piss off ghost like nice. every single time. Like I can't not do it. It's so good. Uh, I love this pick. I'm a little sad that I didn't think of it. It probably wouldn't have made my top five, but it's a really, really, really good entry. I, I think for me, it's
1: probably the most rewatchable. I'm saying that carefully. The most rewatchable of the MCU. It's, I don't think it's actually the best, but I think it's probably this or Iron Man, which was also in my like contenders of contenders lists. Cause there's something about that first, everything about him in the cave and then building that first suit is just so much fun to watch.
0: Yeah, see, it's it's actually really interesting. I, I agree. It's not the best. I actually think it is the most rewatchable. And the reason is Iron Man is number two. I agree with you. But Iron Man is nostalgic. The, the mm. reason I think that we like Iron Man is because when you watch Iron Man now, you know what Iron Man led to and it feels special. Ragnarok is just a good time. <laughs> Like it has no bearing on anything else. Just start to finish with almost no context, you can kind of land in that movie and go, This is a blast. Iron Man feels like the beginning of something, which by the way was its intention, and it was. Right. And for that they did a beautiful job. But if you remove that feeling, I think Ragnarok's a more re- rewatchable movie. I, I I don't know if mine's as much
1: nostalgia as is for you. For me, I think I think what I I think I like about Iron Man is that it's so much about the like the character arc isn't really Tony; it's really like the suit, you know. And I and I like that a lot. Right. Yeah, uh, it's neat. And I do think uh, if I had to pick the other most watchable, it's probably Guardians. Right. Like
0: the the, fir- the first Guardians yeah, is really good.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah. What's your
0: fifth? All right, fifth and final, March thirty first, two thousand. I will give you, for the second time in a row, Lily Taylor, and Tim Robbins.
1: Oh, that's uh, that's two thousand, huh? Yeah, I got I got it from the cast. But let's hear your five words just for funsies. Uh, what's first, music or misery? Oh, I thought you were going to do some kind of list-making reference.
0: I was going to, but then I remembered that this quote was in there, and I really like this quote. It's a good quote from High Fidelity. High Fidelity. So High Fidelity is my only holdover from my original list. Uh, it is partially because it is a. You know, it plays a genuine role in the creation of this podcast. Uh, the top five is a thing for those of you who don't know in high fidelity, you know, John Cusack owns a record store and hilariously with Jack Black. And I can't remember the other guy's name. Barry is his name in the actual movie. Um, will just randomly go top five random stuff. And then they have to name their fa- their favorite random you know records of whatever the top five was. Uh, which Jeremy and I played before this was a podcast like at bars and stuff when we ran into each other because it's a fun game and we're nerds and we like stuff like this. However, that being said, uh, this movie is also just so freaking good. It's such a great book. Um, it, it, it invented the top five. It is like John Cusack's sad boy, but like in such an approachable, understandable, angry sad boy. It's like my favorite sad boy, John Cusack. Um, I do have one quick little game that I wanted to play with you however which is uh John Cusack and his sister Joan are both in this movie they have appeared in 8 movies together 8 How many yeah how many do you think you can name
1: Not 8 at all <laughs> Not even close to be honest uh I would assume I would assume Joan maybe had this cameo and say anything
0: Uh she wasn't say anything yes uh,
1: another there's another 80s one that he was in that I also assumed she was in, but now it's it's just fallen out of my uh demi more mm, Can't remember that one. Let's see, what else will I assume that they're both in? I don't know, was she in Con
0: Air at all? She was not in Con Air, good guess. Okay.
1: I don't think she's in the assassin one, she's not in Gross Point Blank. She is, she is, I don't remember her she, in it. She is. Well, what else can I come up with? Was she an identity? She was not. So I'm doing poorly here. There's eight of these, huh? I think that my problem is I'm I'm having trouble coming up with on the fly, like just John Cusack movies. So, uh, so say anything? Probably she's not in one in uh, two dollars. She's not in the uh, one Crazy Summer or Better Off Dead. I know
0: that. See, this This is very impressive. I won't make you keep guessing. I'll give you the movies. But that was, a, like, that was a pretty good run. So, Class from 1983, 16 Candles, which I thought you would get. Oh, yeah. Yep. Grandview, USA. Didn't think oh. you'd get that. Broadcast News. I thought you had a shot at that one.
1: I I totally forgot about Broadcast News as a movie just now.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Say anything, uh, Gross Point Blank, you both got. Cradle Will Rock. I thought you had a shot at that one. Which one? The Cradle Will Rock. Never saw it. Oh okay, never mind. Martian Child, no shot. No idea. War Inc. No. Oh, never saw that. Yeah, probably remember the VHS cover though. Sure do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So those are the eight. Um, uh. I just, I just thought that was very, very interesting. So yeah. Anyway, uh, I love this movie. High Fidelity is the best. I we actually haven't. I haven't talked about it. I think since the first episode, which is crazy because this is like if we just did a, what are your top five favorite movies. I usually sneak high fidelity in there just because of the top five thing. Um, but also because I think I talked about it probably in the first episode. Like, I thought this was going to be my life. I, I you know, miserable <laughs> dude owns record store, yells at children uh, to get off his lawn. Like, this was a thing that I was going to do. Mixtapes are still very important to me. I make playlists for friends. It's like, a, it's part of my love language. Uh, but I also genuinely do think that this is like a, this one rides the line a little bit. There, there are moods in which this movie probably doesn't fly, um, but not for me. There's no mood I could be in where high fidelity would not be a movie I wanted to watch. So funny enough, this was in my Pong
1: list till about 20 minutes before we started recording. And then something else just sort of pushed, pushed it down because I had started re-watching it. So that was one of my things. as I started looking at my list of what of these have I actually fully or partially rewatched this year. And I got I I, I it's one of these. So you know I'm doing the rowing thing. Basically, if a movie ends mid-row, I have, like, four or five movies that I'll just, like, continue advancing in. (laughs) Right. Perfect. Yeah. And they're all these kind of movies that I just, I've loved and seen a billion times. So, great pick. Fully, again, if we had recorded half an hour earlier, it would have been in my, at least my Pog. That's where it was sitting at that point. Perfect. All right. For my final, for the day, 1977. Okay. With the Rotten Tomatoes of 96- Okay. <laughs> Starring or including Christopher Walken.
0: Love love him.
1: And Paul Simon. Uh, what? Yep. Paul which which Paul probably Simon's means movie. you might not know the movie. Because I think if you heard that combo, it's a I don't think Paul Simon's been in enough movies.
0: No, that's the what's totally throwing me off is this. What's the I, I wanna say it's like not moonstruck. What was the one that Walking was in, but that's like from the nineties or early eighties. I have no idea what this is.
1: So what I wrote five words, great romantic comedy, terrible director.
0: That's funny. I have no idea. Annie Hall, Annie Hall, Woody Allen. Yep. Mm, boy. You've seen. Yeah, of course I have. I'm just dumb. Oh, okay. <laughs> just, just, just
1: confirming not the latter, but the former, uh, I don't think Paul Simon's done too many other movies that I can think of. Can't imagine he has. But he was fairly prominent in this one, so I thought it was a fun little pick. He sure Uh, was. I realize I haven't seen Andy Hall in probably five five to eight or so kind of years, and I have to see it again soon. Uh, Again, putting everything about the people aside, but just the movies and the arts, etc. It is just such the classic rom-com. It is... And in so many ways, an archetype of other movies as well, right? It's not just because in so many ways, it's 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 a bad rom com, right? Like, <laughs> right? It's it's almost like the anti archetype, if that were such a thing. And the cast is good. The storytelling's amazing. I I'd wager this this is this or Mighty um, Aphrodite is what I think would probably be Woody Allen's greatest writing and directing combo. I think he's probably. Individually, other things might have been better. Uh, Midnight in Paris is also amazing.
0: That would have been that was the
1: only thing I was just going to argue. Midnight in Paris is so good. <laughs> but Annie Hall has so many great lines and is so much fun to to put 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 up on and just rewatch. So it's coming up this year.
0: Yeah, this is a great pick. And the thing that's nice about it, I haven't seen Annie Hall in a while. I watched it maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of like six to seven years ago. Um, and what I remember walking away from that watching experience specifically was thinking to myself, oh, this is before anybody told Woody Allen, he was Woody Allen. And so the writing was still so sharp, right? Like he wasn't he wasn't doing Woody Allen yet. He just was Woody Allen, <laughs> which was right. like really, really special. Um, and yeah, for some reason, Paul Simon being in that totally like, I just don't remember that until you said it. And now I can clearly see hmm. all the things in my memory that he was in this pretty prominently. Uh, Okay, that's a great pick. So that means before we get into Contender Pong, I want to go through what our original lists were because now we're out of spoiler territory just in case stuff was in there, which it was. Um, So my original list was the replacements, Elf, Fifth Element, Benny and June, and High Fidelity, of which only High Fidelity remained.
1: I've been waiting to talk about your pick of Betty and June for for about a year
0: now, buddy. So here's what happened. (laughs) I really like that movie personally because it has very sentimental and like nostalgic stuff for me. It's not a particularly good movie and I've known that forever. Um, It's also like not really super rewatchable unless it means a lot to you. And uh, it was just a mistake, and I was trying to be clever and artsy because it was our first episode, and I wanted to pick (laughs) something I knew you wouldn't pick. And so in that sense, I succeeded. Uh, But looking back, I would change that. Fair enough.
1: Fair enough. Uh, I actually thought the one of yours that would make it this year was uh, Fifth Element. Because that one has come up
0: several times. And that is the only reason it's not. Because I literally, I literally brought it up like last, ep- like two episodes ago. The fifth element was as was part of my shtick, and I was like, I can't have it again. Like it was in episode forty-three. It's in episode fifty, so it's in my extended pong. And then I have one more that's in pong uh, from my original list that I wanted to still keep around. Uh, so your top five, Jeremy. I had the usual suspects. Yep, H- Happy Gilmore. The Great Escape,
1: Breaking Away, and Fletch. So this year, Fletch got, I guess, a promotion? Yep, got promoted to Shawshank. (laughs) Uh, Breaking Away stayed in the list, and all the rest uh, have fallen out of the top five. Though, funny enough, when I started writing the list, before I had gone back to look at what I had recorded, the Usual Suspects was, I think, the right after Fletch. I think was the second thing I wrote down.
0: Yeah, that tracks. I was so I wasn't sure you were, what you were going to do with Fletch. I mentioned earlier that I thought Breaking Away was the one that I had earmarked. I'm like, I really hope he keeps that in there. And then The Usual Suspects was one where I I didn't think Happy Gilmore or Great Escape would make it again. I thought Usual Suspects had a, had a fighting chance. It,
1: it, there's no reason it's not like you know again impossible category. I still love Usual Suspects. I think I think I had this minor rubric in my head of for all people are the how rewatchable are these? Like and the truth is um you know Usual Suspects for many people if you've seen it and you know what's going on, you're not going to rewatch it again. Yeah. I'm the opposite. I rewatch it to see all the cleverness of the nuance and where it's going, how they did that. So for, and I can still keep doing that and keep enjoying it because I'm crazy. So
0: Yeah. That's perfect. All right, so let's rip through Contender Pong really quick. Uh, these are the ones, again, this this category is impossible. I have like 100 movies that I wanted to put on here, um, but I didn't because time. Uh, so instead, I will start with the one that I said I would reference later. So this is the movie that I kind of wanted to talk about instead of Ferris, but didn't. Uh, April 26, 1995, my five words are, you got knocked up. A- oh,
1: that's Friday. I almost had that.
0: Yeah, so Friday is just a movie that I, should have been in my very first one, and now that I remember that Friday is a movie I can pick, I think I've picked it twice in the past like ten weeks, and so I just didn't want to pick it again. But just to be clear, Friday is like out of this world rewatchable.
1: <laughs> uh, I agree. It, it was in my pong. The the again the the hour earlier episode doesn't have did have it. Right. All right. My first one, and these are in no particular order, just as as they ended up. 70, 1973 Rotten tomatoes 94 are we doing the, the 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 cast or just the five words just the plus five, five words there you go amazing
0: con by amazing cast this is 73 Yeah. the now original Italian job was in the 60s um amazing con the original oceans 11 uh it is the sting. Oh, the sting. You love that movie, and I don't know that movie well enough to like bring it. That's good. That's great. I do. Uh, Okay. I'm going to do July 3rd, 1985. Uh, Beware the Flux Capacitor.
1: (laughs) Back to the Future. Yep. Very nice. Uh, It was also in my extra list of all the stuff, you know. Um, I will go to 93. Rotten Tomatoes in 1996. In 1993, Rotten Tomatoes ninety six, Repeating, I've got you, babe.
0: Oh, no. This is going to
1: make me sad. It's not mm. coming to me. I, I had to deliver it very monotone to make it work. But that's Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day.
0: Yeah. You know what's funny? Groundhog Day was like on my – should I write that down? I was like, Nah. No, because there are moods that I... Again, my rubric, there are moods that that would not make me want to watch that movie. Not many, but a couple. Uh, Um, Yeah, if I'm awake, I think I want to watch that movie. (laughs) Uh, Okay, this one is a little bit of a surprise, I think, but I like it. Uh, October 5th, 2012, Misfit joins Misfits, sings songs. Pitch Perfect? I actually think Pitch Perfect is really, really rewatchable.
1: You know, I've only seen it the once...
0: So it's hard for me to say. I would have
1: to either deliberately put it. I I would probably watch. Here's what would probably happen for me. I'd at some point, watch it with my kids. and Or it would just stumble onto it. And then then I'd come to that conclusion. But I could see it. i buy it.
0: Yeah. The thing with this one, this is kind of a fun pick because there's a lot of more obvious ones. But the reason I wanted to pick this. Pitch Park is like a harmless movie which I, I don't, like, harmless movies very often are rewatchable because they're harmless, right? Like, no right. real protagonist, no real problems. It's easy to watch. However, the first Pitch Perfect is actually pretty tight, really, really clever, and there's great music, which you know I'm a sucker for. It's I actually think it's more rewatchable than it is good. <laughs> yeah, which is the hallmark
1: of a lot of rewatchable movies. And By the way, the second, and I haven't seen after that, but the second was just
0: bad. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. The the rest of that that franchise again. Back to Matrix. Back to Potentially Born. You did something good. Now stop. Right.
1: Twenty fifteen. Rotten Tomatoes ninety seven. Nicholas Holt. And again, there's no way to not give this one away with cast, but Zoe Kravitz. Oh, what a lovely day.
0: Um, yeah, Zoe Kravitz and Nicholas Holt. This is um. I don't, for some reason, I can't get past X-Men stuff. But oh, she's not, no, you're thinking, the, yeah. Um, But I can't get it. But also we're not doing cast, so don't do that again. But what, okay. was, uh, what was the five, what was the five words? Oh, what a lovely day. Yes. I can't, yeah, I don't know. What is this? Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, right. She's one of the, the wives. Oh, yeah. dumb. Yeah, that's great. It's funny, this is another one, same thing. Had it on my like, short list and went, uh, eh, I could probably be in a mood where this would be a little too much. Um, It's for, a lot. This
1: It's it a lot, but for me, the, again, the reason I made it here is I rewatched it this year and had a blast rewatching it. At no point did anything not hold up for me. I didn't, like, if anything, the second time through, a lot of things made a lot more sense and I was able to it's, follow things a little more but it made me. It left me like I will watch this again, possibly this year.
0: Hence the list. Yeah, no, that's really good. It, that is a movie that once you're oriented, it actually gets better. Yeah. Uh, I'll give you July twenty fifth, two thousand eight. Don't touch my drum set.
1: It's is it Whiplash? No. School of Rock? Nope. Ooh, that's a good one though. Two thousand eight with drums. Clearly a
0: comedy. Mm. Brendan, don't touch my drum set. Not helping, super bad. No, you're you're in a pretty good rate. So basically, I just removed one Will Will Ferrell movie and put a new one on here. This is Step Brothers. <laughs>
1: oh yeah, Step Brothers is fun. Step Brothers is again, not
0: fun. Not particularly good, but if that movie's on, I'm like, now nah, I'm watching that for a yeah. while.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, good one. 1980 runs made of 73. We're on a mission from God.
0: Spies like us.
1: Oh, oh! I would rather just—you have not guessed than guessed that it's Blues Brothers,
0: buddy. You—we do this all the time. Like it doesn't come up often. This movie's not a big thing for me. I don't care. It is for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like the 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 frustration and sadness that I don't get this movie is going to continue because it's this also is not one that's really high on my list to see again. It should be. All right, maybe it will be. We'll see. Some, I, I, would,
1: uh, I would actually wager most people my generation would put this above Fletch.
0: Most people. Yeah. I, I have a particular affinity for Fletch, but there's no doubt that this is an important movie that people love. I ha- I've seen it maybe twice, and it just is not one that resonated with me. And other uh, the, the music scenes did, like the diner sure. scene does, like for sure. But like in general, it was just like, yeah, all right, I get it. I guess it's cool. Uh, all right, this is my last one, leaning fully into my millenniumdom. Uh, July nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. Way harsh, as if. That's Clueless, right?
1: Sure is. Yeah, that's that's. I enjoy Clueless, and I would definitely rewatch it, but it wouldn't it wouldn't come up that high. That's that's a generation thing.
0: Big time, love that movie. That movie is purely a nostalgic pick. <laughs> yeah, that Clueless is probably like the millennials.
1: Weird analogy, but like Breakfast Club. Right. It,
0: I was literally just going to say it's Breakfast Club. It's the yeah. same thing. It's much
1: yep. less It's much less serious than Breakfast Club, but that's okay.
0: Yeah, well, we were a less serious generation. Yeah.
1: Uh, 2000, run Tomatoes, 94. Terrier, Bloodhound, Eimer, Shih Tzu. Uh,
0: Christopher Guest, um, Best in Show.
1: There you go. That's great. It's funny because Waiting for Guffman is actually my favorite of his and Spinal Tap is my second favorite. So this is my straight up third, undebate, undebatably in my head, this is my third favorite. But I do think it's actually the most rewatchable of them all because it's just fun from start to finish. I recently rewatched both this and Guffman and I respect Guffman so, like, it, it's got such a special play. It's my Rushmore to uh, to, to Anderson. Sure. But this one's more rewatchable by a lot.
0: Yeah, this is a special kind of goofball movie. Like, it's a it, there very few movies are like this one. Um, okay, so we have officially closed the books on our first ever part dua, but you've got more.
1: I got one question for you, JT. I wanted us to do one more little exercise. Okay. So, going back to last year's top fives. Yes. So, we're going to have to identify of those five, how many of them have you actually watched in the past year?
0: Ooh, cool. Um, so my top five in the past year: Elf, yes; Fifth Element, yes; um, technically breaking away on your list, yes; <laughs> and, and Happy Gilmore on your list, yes. So I've seen, I've seen four, right? Nice. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, if we're including both lists, it gets interesting. So Happy Gilmore I've rewatched, Great Escape I've rewatched, Breaking Away I've rewatched, Elf I've rewatched, and High Fidelity, although halfway. So four and a half, I guess. <laughs> Pretty good. Not too bad. So we'll see a year from now how many more times we've watched these movies. And were we right?
0: Well, well you're definitely right because there are things you want to watch this year. Um, However, what was definitely going to happen is you're going to watch The Birdcage and I'm going to watch Fletch. Um, But instead of what we're going to watch, we have to talk about what we're going to talk about. Jeremy, on our next episode, is it me? It's me.
1: Can I just always make it you when I just don't feel like it?
0: Yeah, if you want to. I don't really want to, but it is in fact you. Okay. So what I want to do next is I want to do the top five actors that you want to have a career resurgence Ooh. So actors, actresses only, no directors, no producers, none of that nonsense. And they have to be living. We're going to, we're going to stay in the realm of the living. So somebody who was something and then maybe wasn't as much of something and should be something yet again.
1: But we could agree that the ghost of Clark Gable would have a rocking career these
0: days. Clark Gable is Clark Gable no matter where you drop him in. He'd be a thespian in the 1600s if he need to be. He is Clark Gable.
1: Nice. I like this one. I'm going to have to do some, this is not a, you know, quickly type out a hundred names. So I like, this is a great
0: choice. Yeah, this is going to be a thin but meaningful list, I assume. So that's what we'll we'll go for. Um, as always, this was a ton of fun. Uh, please do follow us on the Twitters and on the Instagrams. And if you would be so kind as to rate us on the App Store, I've been told that that's good for the podcast or something. Um, other than that, uh, we love having you. Uh, let us know what your most rewatchable movie is, uh, specifically on Twitter. That's where we like to catalog some of this stuff. And uh, just keep in mind that life moves pretty fast if you don't stop and look around once in a while. You might miss it, darling, darker shame. Thank you for all the joy and pain. Picture show, second balcony. Was the place we'd meet? Second seat, Gold Dutch Street you were sweet, darker shade, shame, darling, dark ashamed.